Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Connor Hogan, PhD. You're welcome to The Doc Connor Show. This is a special podcast. It is the Damien Brown special podcast. And what a special guy Damien Brown really and truly is. He is an athlete. He was a former professional rugby player turned adventurer. Yes, adventurer. So from all the actual discipline that is needed to play professional rugby and all professional team sports he has used it in a different way and in a very unusual way he has gone on his holiday his retirement from rugby but the holiday has grown into him just becoming an adventurer all around the world he does marvelous things and these things are just so Intriguing, interesting, and, well, it would just knock your socks off, really, listening to him. I caught up with Damien in 2017, and it was from there where I realized this guy is really putting his life and soul into this adventuring stuff. And I had known Damien prior to that, but... It was 2017 where I started to actually write about him first off and I decided to do an Atlantic diary and the reason being was because Damien was going on a voyage of self-discovery and also discovery on the high seas. He was going to go from a place in South Europe right over on his own in one small little boat to South America. So he departed on the 12th of December, 2017, just when everyone else was tucking into their Christmas shopping and getting ready for Christmas nights out and parties season and indiscipline. Damien was becoming the most disciplined human, well, one of the most disciplined human beings on the planet because he was setting sail for the high seas so to speak and brownie as he was nicknamed or old stock the colloquial Galway west of Ireland type of nickname was given to Damien and from the port in San Sebastian in La Gamera Yes, of all places, La Gamera, Canary Islands. He went from there for 3,000 miles were ahead of him. Imagine that, 3,000 miles to row. Yes, row in a one-man boat. And he needed to get to a place called Antigua in Barbuda in the south of America. More specifically, to Nelson's dockyard so this was part of an adventurous race called the talisker atlantic whiskey challenge and it's now an annual event but it 
demands months and just years of preparation because anything that could go wrong well was bound to go wrong for all of the competitors in some way some small way or some bigger way but of course Damien looked for an adventure and he sure as heck got it because once he set off to the high seas he wasn't too long in actually finding that he was in trouble although he had 3,000 miles or thereabouts to go within a couple of days of departing from the Canary Islands Damien Brown got woefully sick on the high seas and not only was he woefully sick but he really wasn't actually fully out onto the high seas he was just in those couple of miles between setting off and getting right out into the middle of the ocean so the currents and the winds were not going to give him any type of advantage so he was really struggling and even though i wrote a diary about Damien and keeping up with his ups and downs throughout his voyage I also caught up with him prior to him actually going in December 2017 and this was just one of his adventures he had previously done a series of marathons believe it or not in a desert over a week and Damien is a big guy you gotta picture this guy he's six foot six a couple of inches bigger than myself i'm six foot four uh, i'm about 15 15 and a half stone weight let me tell you damien is a lot stockier and bigger than that he's got a huge frame he's a huge man and if you saw him from a distance he would scare you but at the same time you wouldn't actually think that he is actually that tall because he's really in proportion he's just one of these big athletes so for sickness to hit a guy like that you would think hey this guy can really take it but he struggled he really and truly struggled because he was against the elements so before he did set up his boat of course he prepared himself correctly but that type of preparation was heard during my interview with him and i'm going to share with you now a couple of snippets of that earlier interview prior to him actually setting off on his wild atlantic ride across the ocean damien why are you doing this <laughs> start with a hard question yeah um that is the question that has been kind of following me around and it's the first question on everyone's lips uh you know for the last kind of year um it's um it's something i've wanted to take on since i read a book about it about 12 years ago james cracknell and ben fogel james cracknell was a british olympian rower very successful one and ben fogel is a tv presenter they did, a, they did it in 2005, I read the book uh, the year after, I think there was a documentary about it, um, I never, I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, and I just knew it was for me, you know, I love the, I love the extremity of it, I love the challenge, uh, mental and physical challenge, like, 
think it's right up there with um, what is kind of available for a human being to undertake physically and mentally. Um, and uh, yeah, these things appeal to me, you know, really deeply. I really like to kind of, um, I'm passionate about travel, um, I'm passionate about seeing the world. Uh, I think we live in an incredible planet. So I like to kind of try and see all parts of it. Um, I'm passionate about uh, the body and how it works and uh, the power of the mind together with the uh, actions of the physical body, you know. So it's really uh, all-encompassing, you know. It's a really good fit for me and, and why things I'm interested um, to do with my life. Okay, so tell us a bit more about yourself then. Right, so um, I was, I'm from Galway originally, from Renmore. Um, I um, went to the Bish, um, I graduated the Bish in, in 1998. Um, I was very privileged and lucky enough to go into um, professional rugby. Uh, I started with Connacht in 99 and um, had a 16-year 16 year, um, 16 year career. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to have done that. And I retired a couple of years ago and um, started kind of uh, delving into some of these um, adventures and challenges that um, I couldn't do while I was playing rugby. So, um, I, last year, the first major one I did was a thing called the Marathon de Sable, which is uh, it's known as the world's toughest foot race by the Discovery Channel. And it's, uh, it was basically a 257-kilometer race across the Sahara Desert, um, self-supported, so six marathons in six days. So, yeah, I was, uh, got, to the, got to the end of that, got to the finish line, and, uh, yeah, and then, I, um, and then I took on or committed to um, this, uh, the Talisker Atlantic Challenge, which yeah. is a 4,800-kilometer um, row across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and I'm doing it as a solo participant in its race format. So there's 30 boats going, but I will be one of only six or seven solos who are trying to take on the, the epic challenge. Okay, so what exactly does this whole voyage entail for you as a solo? Um, so, it, like I said, it, the distance, sorry, we start, so it's basically a, a row from um, Europe to um, the Caribbean. We start in one of the Canary Islands called La Gomera. Um, it's just south of Tenerife. And um, we, uh, yeah, simply we, we're on an ocean rowing boat, which is a bespoke um, piece of equipment just made for ocean rowing. And um, we have to be completely self-sufficient so we can have no um, external help. So I will be solo, I will be unsupported, I will have all my own food on board, I will have all my uh, navigation equipment, I will have everything I need to survive, I will have a water maker for desalinating the seawater into drinking water. Um, and yeah, simply then it's just a, a basically a test of your um, physical and mental capacities, like I said, um, to get to the other side. Uh, the duration of the challenge is completely weather dependent but a okay. good guide for a solo rower would be between 50 to 90 days okay. 50 would obviously be favorable conditions and 90 to 100 it would be very unfair. and that's a huge difference 50 is almost half of 90 so mentally i'm sure looking at it from now what are you uh, i think it's 39 days, days away from mm -hmm. 
starting off. So what date are you actually starting off? We're uh, the 2nd of November now, so... The 12th of December, yeah. So, um, yeah, very... Uh, it's going very quickly, you know. We're in a, a little bit of a... Personally, it's a little bit of a lull in the campaign because um, the boat has shipped to the start and all the equipment and you know, every spare nut and bolt you have to have on board. So uh, there was a, a kind of a peak in the campaign to get yeah. that done and get that away. And now that's done. So uh, an awful lot of, uh, I'd say, 98% of the kind of campaign is, is kicked up. So that was Damien Brown before he went on the high seas, the Atlantic Ocean, on his one-man boat with his two oars for company and nothing living other than himself. So Damien was prepared. He was ready. He had, as he said himself there, all but 2% of preparation done well in advance. This was like a month before he set off that I actually interviewed him and he really had preparation done. He was looking fit, he was keeping fit and he had done a lot of work. He had even stayed out on the ocean for a night prior to actually setting off just to see would the ocean and himself become good bedfellows. And indeed, he really enjoyed it. He had a good night out on the ocean himself not far from Galway Bay, where his hometown is in the west coast of Ireland, on the west coast of Europe. So he was prepared because the Atlantic is pretty fierce up around that way as well. And even though he was prepared, Damien, though, still got sick because it wasn't long, as I said just prior to that snippet of the interview, it wasn't long before Damien's body reacted poorly and he was actually unable to eat such was the sickness that took hold of him within a couple of days of him setting off from Tenerife his strength actually suffered and just rowing although he'd done like thousands of kilometers of rowing his strength was just ripped from him and often we say that athletes and people that want to look good are ripped because they do so much gym work but this was ripped in a totally different manner because his strength was ripped from him physically even though he was bulging with muscles such was the sickness that took hold of him but Damien being Damien being strong-minded he was mentally prepared as he alluded to there in that snippet and for the next while he just kept his composure and even though it was a physical struggle and his mind became visibly agitated to any type of living thing, such as a fish who would have seen him out on the ocean, but no one else. He still kept going and picked up the pieces and off he went again with the momentum. But still, that wasn't the end of it. Even though the sickness went within those couple of days and he started to get out there in the main part of the ocean, to allow the breeze to catch hold of his little sail, to allow something to start going for him. He realized, okay, the sickness is gone. I'm feeling much better. Now I need to kick on with all the training that I've done. But he also realized that even though he was just out there in the ocean, that he was essentially 
out of the race because as he alluded to there in that snippet he actually was in this as a competitive racer a one-man guy that was up against other individuals so with all these miles thousands of miles to go he was essentially alone and demotivated you could say to actually compete or to actually continue by the 10th day that he was at sea more troubles came about for him on that morning there was a very difficult vision for him waiting for him on his proverbial breakfast plate because even though he was waiting for his 14 or 12 to 14 hour daily row he soon discovered that this was going to be a little bit trickier than he thought because one of his oars had actually gone astray and it turned out they had dropped into the ocean so that's what greeted him and these are i suppose the unforeseen things that happen when you're out on the wild waves of the atlantic and it was the wild waves as well that lent to these giant sea swells that damien actually had to try and get around or get through at times they were so so big that there was three meters of water upon him and the water was coming up onto his deck so it was really really challenging for damien now we'll just listen to another snippet and just hear how he tried to prepare and how he was feeling just a month before he set sail on the high sea. Uh, yeah, food is uh, obviously food has to be uh, long duration stuff. So it's kind of like, uh, for want of a better expression, astronaut food. It's it's dehydrated or freeze dried. Uh, so it's very light and it's very very high calorie count. Um, I have to bring six and a half thousand calories a day. Yeah. So if you can imagine, for and I have to bring ninety days worth of food. So that a lot of bulk of food so it has to be light and it has to be um it has to be a kind of heavy uh, caloric value so that's all stored on the boat you know the 90 days worth of food and from literally it's counted every calories counted so i have a pack day one to a pack day 90 that okay. i had to organize and uh, basically i know um, what's in every pack uh, for every day and where all my calories are coming and even though it's highly as you say caloric there must be a huge proportion of protein as well for all the wear and tear on your muscles and continual physical effort that you're making on the same muscles over and over. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's uh, you know, luckily from my background, I have quite a um, education, uh, yeah. practical education in um, you know how the body works and how to fuel it and how to let, recover it. So I, I was well aware like that. Um, you know, I have to bring a lot of um, protein and a lot of good fats if I could um, so yeah I have a lot of protein powders protein bars any sort of stuff like that that will um, that will help me just uh, recover from the kind of duress of the days because um, it's really important um, there is um, lots of stuff as well I brought like MCT oils which are uh, medium train triglycerides that you can add to food that are really high in calories and real good source of energy you know so it was just um trying to figure out exactly what i wanted to do um in regards um in regards my six and a half thousand calories and how i 
with repairs. But in some cases, there's no options. You know, you, you have to take what's made by the expedition company. Being uh, such a big guy, Damien, well, obviously needed foods in his ordinary type of living. Not to mention the fact that he was an athlete anyway, to begin with, before he set off on the high seas. But you can imagine too how a chap who was used to big meals and trying to fuel himself to get out on a rugby pitch to bump off guys and stop guys running at him and running at his teammates, how he was going to eat large proportions of food. And being well over six and a half foot and being as broad as he is, the energy intake that a guy like that would consume is quite big. So food was a thing that was really interesting when I spoke to Damien's brother, Andrew, who's, believe it or not, was also a professional rugby player and also played with Connacht Rugby, which is based in the west of Ireland, where both the Brown brothers are from. There was a time during that race that Andrew told me just after the Christmas, a few weeks after Damien had departed, that Andrew and Damien spoke via a type of satellite phone. There was brief moments because when you're out on the sea, the high seas, despite all these modern efficient technologies that are out there, and were out there at that stage, still in all, it was quite difficult for Damien to have a sustained or even clear conversation with anybody. That's how alone he was and isolated he was out on the Atlantic Ocean. But there was a chat that Damien had with Andrew. And again, Andrew is as big and tall, perhaps even taller than Damien, but not as blocky as such. And Andrew was talking to Damien about their Christmas dinner. And Damien was just loving this. He was loving every little sinew of information and food that was cooked. And Andrew spoke to me and he said that he happened to mention that he himself had cooked some pork the night before. And Damien had inquired as to what the pork was like. And, of course, Andrew said that it was quite scrumptious. And the the lack of hesitation and more the actual reaction, which was so sudden and so hungry, shall we say, and eager, came from Damien, or to the words, to the effect of, are you serious? And what else did you have with the pork? Because, of course, as we've just heard there from that last snippet, Damien really had to eat pre-packaged food for the duration of time that he was on the ocean. Now, I mentioned 50 to 90 days, but actually it took Damien longer than what he had planned for or expected. And of course, from a mere food or fuel point of view, and the fact that, as he mentioned as well to me, that his compartmentalized area and whole boat, in fact, was seven meters long and two wide. So that compartmentalized area where the food was kept had only physically so much room there. Therefore, there was only so much 
food that Damien could actually bring with him along the way. So the difference between the 50 days and the 90 days where it's almost double. Once he actually became ill in the first couple of days, not only was he out of the race, but he actually mentally had to get himself back in the mindset, get himself physically right. Who knew what type of illness was going on in his body? Who knew what type of weight he was going to lose? Who knew, or he didn't know for sure, how long it was going to take him. And he was demotivated even by the fact that he was really and truly out of the race. So the 50 to 90 days, it was really up in the air. In fact, what ended up happening was that Damien did not hit the 50 days mark. He hoped to. He had prepared to make it inside 50 days or thereabouts, but it actually went to 63 days. 63 days out on the seas and the high seas and for many of the last couple of weeks he was out on his own because the choppy sea and the strong winds that invited him on his way to Antigua became extremely challenging for him and one of the things that actually one of the problems that happened with him was that he actually had two capsizes as well and with one of those there was a damage to his navigational system. So he was left just relying on the basic GPS and a compass, which had a 30 degree difference between the two. Now, if you can imagine 30 degrees, it's quite a lot when you consider being out on an ocean where all you can see 360 degrees around you is, you know what, actual nothing except water and the sky there's also other damage and that was to himself and one of the capsize experience experiences for damien what actually occurred was that he didn't realize it but the boat obviously had turned over but the boat also along with food had other things he had a couple of books and things like that with him just to keep him mentally aware of the fact that he wasn't just a robotic bro or such that he had to be a human being too and he had to give himself some reprise some sort of entertainment if he needed it and all of those little things that he had in the boat of course when it capsized one of them just turned out to hit him just over the eye and it was a, a vicious type of smack that he got on the eyebrow where normally a person would receive stitches for such a wound again Damien had nobody with him nobody there no medic so it wasn't until later on that morning that Damien actually noticed how bad the cut was on his eyebrow such was the extent of the terror he was in when the boat capsized and how he had to reorganize his boat get things back to normal or semi-normal and get himself out there and row row to safety before realizing he could actually continue 
on the high sea. So this is the reality of what was hugely pressurizing him throughout the 63 days at sea. When I put it to Damien Brown prior to setting off on his Atlantic adventure about the weather, here's what he replied with. It depends on what position I'm in. So that's only uh, 13 days after the start. So um, the, the plan would be, so we go southwest and then when we get to around the 17th parallel, we go west, ba very basic. So um, the first week or a little bit more, depending on the weather, of course, if you can get to before you kind of turn west for a better expression, um, could be quite cold, especially the evenings. But then after that, you know, you're, you're pretty far south. So you can expect very hot days kind of bordering on, you know, in the 30s and that. So. Okay. So you were mentioning there about your professional athleticism days and stuff like that and all the huge things you've done already, the massive amount of, you know, um, adventures you've gone on and stuff. But I suppose from your practical education of, you know, being an athlete, professional athlete, what kind of work have you done specifically towards the role as such? Because obviously there's going to be a lot of work on your quads and your thighs and your arms and upper body and stuff like that. Um, have you done any other rowing or why are you doing this? You mentioned motivation as well. Like, are you doing it for charity or for anything like that? So to answer your first question, um, my preparation started about um, 17 months ago now, my physical preparation. Um, it's quite intense. You know, I, I'm in the gym every morning at six. Uh, I normally spend three to four hours in the gym every day. For various reasons, like that might sound like a lot to some people, but, um, you know, it's more because of my profile and what I put my body through before. So it takes a lot to, it needs a lot of care and attention um, to keep progressing, you know, because that's the most important part of my training. I'm not going to just tick a box. I want to keep getting yeah. better and better and better. So, uh, like, for example, my warm-up could take close to an hour and a cool-down leg could take 45 minutes. So in between that, you know, I have my training block or whatever. So that, that's quite intense, and that's ongoing all the time. Um, I do a lot of strength training, you know, so I still lift a lot of weights. You know, I'm talking um, five strength sessions in every nine days. And then I do conditioning sessions on the ergometer and on the um, watt bike, or it's like a fan-resistant bike, or a, a thing called an airdyne, which, again, okay. is a fan-resistant bike, but it has an upper body element. So I, I train with a, a huge high intensity in those because it helps my mental preparation, again, because you're – you're putting yourself into a, a difficult situation, so your your mental capacity has been tested. Uh, yeah, motivations are, um, you know, like I talked about before, my passion for all this stuff, but also I'm passionate about, like, kind of um, giving back a little, you know, I'm yeah. very privileged. My life has been, I've been very lucky with my life, um, you know, and um, I think it's a really important thing if you're in a position to do that, that you try yeah. and do something, so... Um, yeah, I'm raising charity money for three charities pretty close to me. I have um, uh, Medicine Sans Frontier is the first one, the Irish branch of uh, that's Doctors Without Borders. They do um, pretty incredible work in about uh, in their humanity. There, sorry, their emergency medical aid they provide on nice. the front lines of like natural disasters, um, conflicts, war zones, and you know humanitarian crises. So. You imagine basically the most volatile, um, uh, unstable uh, areas in the world. That's where they are. You know, they're right on the front lines, and they're doctors and nurses and uh, anesthesiologists, or from you know your local hospital, basically, or went out there pro bono. Go 
themselves in incredible um, situations to help others. So I admire the selflessness of the organization and the values they um, portray and live and take action on. Um, the second one is Madra, which is a, Madra is a, um, a volunteer organization on uh, canvas for rehoming um, abused and neglected or abandoned uh, dogs. Uh, I'm a dog owner and a dog lover, and I am obviously yeah. a Galwegian as well, and they do really good work here in our kind of community. Um, so I want to, really wanted to help them. And the last one is uh, Strong Roots Foundation in uh, Kigali in Rwanda. So there you have it, Damien Brown doing special things for special organizations and charities. What a guy. What a pleasure to have interviewed him that time. What a pleasure to have brought to you this particular podcast and to know that what he has done and the way he has really pushed himself through it shows that we can always do it ourselves. Damien said to me one time that one of the reasons he was doing it was to show ordinary people that they can do these huge things in life. So if he can, you can. So thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you have, thank you very much. Until next time, have a wonderful day.